Nothing else was irrelevant. Mm. It was just those nine referrals because I knew if I got that bit right, everything else worked. Mm, it's all powerful. I mean, like people usually say that if you focus on the climb, you will eventually get to the summit of the mountain. You never, never, never focus on a summit. It's too far. It's scary. Yes. yes. You know, I've climbed many mountains and it is literally like that. It's one step. Step at a time. From, yeah. Yeah. Just take one step. Just take one step. Just take one step. Okay. And because then it's, it's just easy to do. It's easy to do. If yeah. you look at the top, you know, if you go and climb Everest or you go to Kilimanjaro or you go to Elbrus and many other. All right. So we're going to get into the episode in a bit. But this episode of the Paul Four podcast was powered by Sales Factory Global. Sales Factory is my WhatsApp community where I teach sales and marketing every single day. I've done that for three years. So what happens in the community is that every morning, I drop a, a sales nugget that can help you jumpstart your day from Monday to Friday. Then on the 15th of every month, we review a book. We've reviewed four books now this year. Then at the end of every month, we do a hot seat. So we break everybody down into a Zoom room. And then we tell you, the, what is your business challenge? Everybody contributes their answers to it. So it's like a mastermind. And then we network with each other. And then on Sundays, we allow you to sell your product and your service. That's what happens in the group. To join the group is $6 a month, £6 a month, or 5000 naira a month. I'm going to drop the link in the show notes. For those of you in Nigeria, I will drop a Nigerian link. Those of you in the UK and in, and in America, I will drop a Stripe link. So you can click on that link. And start your subscription every single month. So let's get into the episode for today with the great Spencer Lodge. Have a great morning, everybody. Spencer Lodge is a great man, so you want to listen to this so much. Let's go. Boom. All right. Hello, everybody. How are you doing today? It's a new day. It's a fresh day. I hope you're up shaking and baking. Welcome to the Powerful Podcast. I always say all my guests are phenomenal, phenomenal but this one is... <laughs> So I, you know what, what you say, you you punch above your weight. That's what I did. <laughs> Spencer, you know, I just finished watching um, um, the playlist. It's a documentary about uh, Daniel Ek on, on, on Spotify. And I was using it to teach some people. I said when they wanted to have a top lawyer in their Spotify team, they didn't have an office, they didn't have funding, they didn't have anything. They went to the biggest law firm in Sweden as at that time. And then they asked this lawyer, her name is Petra, to join the team. And she was like, how can I leave the best law firm in, in Sweden and come and join an unknown startup? But they kept persisting and then she came to the team. So it's always good to ask, to punch above your weight. You never can tell what happens. So this is a testament uh, uh, to that. Spencer Lodge is the chairman of Blue Sky, Blue Sky Thinking Group. It has different verticals. It has insurance, it has wealth management, and, and it has a SaaS software uh, a business. He's an investor. He's a podcaster, one of the largest podcasts in the world. And he's an author, Make It Happen, the ultimate guide to winning in sales. Um, he's a teacher. Um, I mean, he's a teacher by heart. If you follow his stuff on Instagram, on TikTok, and all of those great places. Your story is very fascinating, sir, because... Your teacher in school said that you were not going to amount to much, that you should even go to a carpentry class. And then you started sales in Xerox. And then from that, in the 1993, you went into financial services. And like they say, the rest 
is you know the rest is history right now i want to just i want to just tell us a little bit about yourself first you know researching you is so fascinating because i wanted to ask you how do you read you're so smart for a guy that said that they said they should go and learn carpentry my goodness how does that work sir <laughs> i think that, that i'm 52 years old i yeah. was a kid that grew up in an environment with a broken home, which is not that unusual, but in 1977, it wasn't very common. And my my dad went bankrupt. And that meant that my mum had to bring us up when, and try and find ways of working and pay the bills and bring us up and do the best she could. And what she was doing without without knowing was teaching me about hard work, dedication, commitment, discipline, focus, and those those were the character traits that really rubbed off on me. Uh, I didn't do very well at school. I couldn't concentrate. I couldn't retain information. It was really difficult for me. Um, I suffered with ADD, so it was a, a challenge for me. You know, I would I would even my favourite subjects. I would study and study and study and get ready for the exams, and then the exams would come, and I'd sit in the exam room, and literally everything relating to that subject would disappear from my brain for that day. Hmm. So. I left school without any qualifications. And I know you're a Nigerian and Nigerian families, it's in a university education. It's important yes. to give you a start. Yeah. I, th I don't think it was it was as prominent for us, but because because none of, no one in my family had ever been to university. Whoa. So, Whoa. You know, if you went great and you get good opportunities, if you didn't, well, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to work your way out of it. And so I, you know, I went to I went to work when I was 16 years old and got stuck in and started to learn skills and crafts and knowledge and experience in the real workplace. And I'd probably argue now, unless you're actually going to be a barrister or a, a doctor or that kind of stuff, I'd argue that probably four years of work experience in a in a in an industry that you're really passionate about um, is probably worth more than four years of studying sociology or philosophy or something right. else just for the sake of getting a degree yeah. and my daughters are the first two girls or the first kids in our family ever to have a degree and oh. and and oh. i i really wanted them to go to university because i wanted them partially to break the mold of the family yeah uh, but but when my eldest finished with her degree a couple of years ago, I remember her walking off the stage and we'd all cheered and celebrated and whatnot. And she gave me the scroll and she went, right, that last four years, that was for you, Dad. Now I'm going to work, okay? Come on, girl. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I like that. Yeah, but 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 I think that my my career was a real kind of learning experience in the very early days of understanding rejection that's what mm. i probably learned more than anything else and you know i had a boss on my first day in the job i went to sell office equipment and my boss said to me right you're gonna every morning you're gonna knock on doors and every afternoon you're gonna cold call mm. i didn't know what that meant it didn't mean anything negative to me i had a job that's all mm. i cared about mm -hmm. um and so every morning i knocked on doors and every afternoon i made cold calls but the boss said to me in the first day he said in the afternoon when you make your cold calls i want you to make 100 cold calls like, good no problem he mm. said and i want to get 100 people to say no mm. and i was like what does that mean and so intuitive. Hmm. made the phone calls got people you know swearing at me and giving me abuse down the phone and i got i got 100 no's and at the end of the day he gave me a high five he said brilliant job i'll see you tomorrow and then day two, he said, right, go get me another hundred no's. Hmm. I was like, what's that all about? Okay, fine. So I did what he said. 
A few days later, he said, do, do me a favor and get me, get me 99 no's today, please. Yeah, I just want one yes. Get me 99, but focus on those 99 no's. Mm. Don't let me down with those. What he was doing, he was, he was teaching me to understand that to get a yes, I needed to earn it. And the only yes. way I would earn a yes would be to get no's. Yes. So in week two, it was like, get me, get me 98 no's and two yeses. And then week three, it was get me 97 no's and three yeses. Hmm. And when you think about it, it was just like, every time I made a cold call, rather than feeling rejected when somebody said no, I was sitting there going, right, I need this no. I need him to say no. I need this one. He said, no, great. Bye, have a good day, you know. Bye, have a good day. Bye, have a good day. And I was pursuing the no's. Come on now. As I was pursuing the no's, what was interesting is that it taught me to understand that the rejection and the no's, if I got enough of them, I'd get some yeses. Yes. And in sales, this, this is critical because one of the most crippling facts or factors to salespeople, the thing that harms them the most is having to deal with rejection on a daily basis. That's right. If you're immune to it, then you fear nothing. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was being taught. Mm, that was very, very powerful. So the path to yes was was no. Yeah, because there all this time, you know, people go into business, these small business owners that call themselves entrepreneurs. They're actually yeah. self-employed, you know, and they've got a prospect and they phone five prospects up and, you know, four of them say no, or the first three say no, and they sit there with their head in their hands, <laughs> terrified of picking the phone up again, going, oh, no, I don't want any more rejection. <laughs> But when, but when you know you have to get rejection to get a yes, and there is no way around it, hmm. when you know you have to do it, it becomes so much more liberating and so much easier. Uh -huh. So when yeah. people say, no, no problem. Have a great day. Yes. No, you know. That's so powerful. And <clears> you, you reckon that as you were getting those no's, your skill level was getting better and better. It, 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 you can't help but it to get better. Yes. You, 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 you've got a podcast, you know, so have yeah. I am. 260 episodes in and i guarantee you the first 10 episodes i did were awful mm. and the second 10 i did were a little bit better and the third 10 i did were a bit better to the point that it's very polished and it's well known and it's and you know it's a a, a well-consumed product yeah that's like everything you know if you and i were car mechanics we'd probably not be very good at first yes we'd be on cars every day every day we'd learn to use the spanners better our hands would move different we'd be able to analyze stuff quicker we'd be able to understand how the you know the computer in the car works we'd be able to feel if the power steering isn't working on your first day you don't know that at the beginning you just don't know that so that right. that repetition for me and for anybody else in their business really kind of important you become better naturally yeah but people just quit before that time you know charlie Munger said that do not disrupt anything that is compounding unnecessarily imagine if you had stopped on your 20th call you won't be you won't be where you are today but that's what most people do yeah. they stop on the 20th call most people mm. give up they start a business they fail but not because the business isn't a good idea it's because they failed because they gave up mm. they weren't disciplined they weren't committed and you know they, they didn't have the um it's like when people go on a diet you know mm -hmm. they're only 10 kilos over the next three months or whatever mm. the is and and they start with good intention on day one day two they're eating the right food they're going mm -hmm. for some exercise every day but then friday comes and it's like well come on one <laughs> one, one beer come on one beer is not going to be a problem yeah. or you know they, they haven't had a bar of chocolate for a week or a packet of crisps and they see that bar of chocolate and i wouldn't know it's only one bar of chocolate be <laughs> and, and the discipline ends doesn't it yes because, that's right um and sometimes you need help with that. And sometimes you can do it on your own. You know, me with my, my training in the gym, if my trainer's not there, I won't show up. 
So I need him to be there every day. I need, that's mm. why I pay money, you know, I need him to be there and I need to know that I won't let him down. That's right. Something comes from that. So yeah, a lot of the time, I think when I look at my, my, my journey in business, it's not because I was more intelligent than anyone. It's not because mm. I was than anyone. Um, it doesn't make, it's got relevant of your, you know, because people make excuses. It's, you know, in this part of the world, it's different. Or my color of skin, it's different. Or my industry is mm. different. Or mm. whatever it may be. You know, I've lived in 10 countries, including Nigeria, where you're yes. from. Yeah. And I did fantastic business in Nigeria. But people were like, oh, you don't want to go there. That's not, that's not going to be a good place for business. You know, people said to me, don't go to Brazil. That's not a good place for business. But it was amazing. Yeah, you, know? you did well there as well. Yeah. It's all about how you decide to apply yourself and how you commit to the task at hand. And if you do, you don't need fancy qualifications. You don't need an MBA. You don't need an undergrad or, or a postgrad. You, you don't need a doctorate. You just need a plan. And then you need a process. And then you need execution. And that's really how my 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 mediocre success has come. Wow. Your, 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 your success is nowhere mediocre in any way, shape or form. But I, I this is a beautiful segue to next, the next question I want to ask when you talk about systems and process. You know, I when I was researching you, I was researching how, researching how you made your first one million pounds. You know, you said to yourself that what industry is going to give me that money? And then you move to financial services. And then you said to yourself that you need, uh, I think, 200, 200, uh, 200 deals to make that happen. Then you said there are 52 weeks in the in a year, but two weeks for holiday. And then you broke those 52 weeks into the 50 weeks. And I love the way you process that. Why is it that those people don't think in terms of processes and systems like you did? Because that's how you got your first 1 million pounds at the age of 28. I mean, if I, you made 1 million pounds at 26, but the money hits your account, it was in your account at 28. No. So what happened is the first time I earned a million pound in a year was was twenty six. The first 26, time yeah. I had, the first time I had a million in my bank account was was twenty eight. Yeah, yeah. But I think that I think it's really I don't understand why people don't get this because people think this is quite uh, you know or imagine it to be quite complicated. But the first thing you have to understand is twelve months is too far away to think about. Mm. It's too far away for a football team to think about. It's too far away for business to think about. Mm. And even though people have one, three, five, ten-year goals, why don't you just have a one-week goal? Come on now. Mm. Why don't you just have a one-day goal? Mm. Uh, why don't you just have a next-hour goal? Mm. A million was easy. It's 83,333 a month. So I know what that is. Okay, so that's roughly 21,000 a week over four yeah. weeks. So right, 21,000 in a week. Let's say you do uh, an average of just over 5,000 you know, per deal that you do. That's four deals a week. Okay, mm -hmm. so now you've got to work out how to get a deal nearly every day of the week. So how many prospects do you need to get a deal? Maybe mm -hmm. you need three. Okay, so three prospects is one deal. Four deals, that means 12 prospects. Okay, mm -hmm. how many suspects do I need to get one prospect? Okay, mm -hmm. so I need 12 prospects. Let's say I need three suspects for every prospect. Then I need 36 suspects. Mm -hmm. Okay. What's the best type of suspect to have? Is it a cold call? Is it a referral? Is it an inbound lead? Well, mm. guess what? I'm going to work out what suits me best. For me, it was referrals. And that's what I worked through. Then I worked back the activity. So I said to myself, once I knew the numbers, I said, how many new prospects do I need to see a week? And my numbers were 10, two a day. Mm. So I needed 15 in my, in my diary so that I could see 10, just in case some rescheduled on me. So 15 in my diary, that means I've got to have three people per day in my diary. How am I going to work? I'm going to work with referrals. How do I get those referrals from the mm -hmm. people I go and see? How many referrals do I need? 
And it came down that I needed three referrals for every meeting in the diary. So that means mm. I need 45 referrals a week. That's nine a day, mm -hmm. four and a half in the morning, four and a half in the afternoon. Wow. And then my objective became dead simple. I became laser focused on oh. getting those nine referrals a day and mm. nothing else mattered. Everything else was irrelevant. Mm. It was just those nine referrals because I knew if I got that bit right, everything else worked. Mm, so powerful. I mean, like... People usually say that if you focus on the climb, you will eventually get to the summit of the mountain. You never, never, never focus on the summit. It's too far. It's scary. Yes. yes. You know, I've climbed many mountains and it is literally like that. It's one step. Step. Yeah. Yeah. One, one step. Just take one step. Just take one step. Okay. And because then it's, it's just easy to do. It's easy to do. If yeah. you look at the top, you know, if you go and climb Everest or you go to Kilimanjaro or you go to Elbrus and many other mountains I go to, the summit is a long way away, like it's a long way away. And if mm. you look at that all the time, it never gets closer. Yeah. You know? During the day, it's still a long way away. So mm. Mm. that's so and then it's overwhelming, isn't it? If it's overwhelming, then oh, we're probably gonna give up, aren't we? Yeah, because yeah. It's easier yeah. to give up than it is to keep going. Yeah, it's so powerful, so powerful. You once told a story about a friend of yours who was in the military and came out of the military and then he started his own business, I think, in the construction industry. And he lived among the poor people for two weeks in where he lives in England, something like like that. And after the two weeks, he offered to give them a job and uh, they didn't take the job. I thought that was fascinating. Can you speak to us about mindsets? You know, what's the mindset of the about, rich okay. and the poor? See, that you're, was very you're fascinating. About, a friend of mine's got a construction company. And yes. He wanted, he wanted to understand homeless people. Yeah. And so he went to live on the streets for two weeks. Yes, for two weeks, yeah. And, and also... He became a drug addict before he went. So he injected, it was extreme. So he was in the military, came out and he said, if I go on the streets, I want to feel like people living on the streets. And a lot of them are drug addicts. A lot of them drink a lot. And so if that's the case, I want to be in the same headspace as they are. Yeah. Because I want to try and come out the other side. Yeah. So he went and lived on the streets for two weeks. He was injecting himself with drugs. He was in a bit of a mess. And then he, he, his goals were to get himself a haircut, his goals were to get free clothes so he could go for a job interview. His goals were to find a job, but also to help other homeless people if he could. So he met these homeless guys and got to know them. And after getting to know them a bit, he said to them, look, if there was an opportunity for you to have a full-time job on full pay with accommodation provided, so you've got your own uh, one-bedroom flat to live in, how would you feel about that? Mm -hmm. Went, that would be amazing what a job salary significant somewhere to live you know i'm on the streets right now and he's like yeah the only one thing you'd have to do is relocate because i'm uh, he was in leeds at the time and it was further north i think it was in uh, red car or newcastle it was and um he said that's the only thing you have to relocate relocate from leeds you're going to have to go to newcastle but everything is provided full-time job will protect you will provide for you will do all of that kind of stuff you'll have your own tax uh, code your national insurance number you'll, you'll be properly working and you'll be in the system they all said absolutely yes and so he agreed to meet these guys the next morning okay to finalize everything and get everything sorted mm -hmm. and they didn't show up <laughs> that's interesting so it's, it's really interesting and so why didn't they show up well he went across back back onto the streets to try and find them and when he found them he was like what is it that stopped you doing it and interestingly even though they were homeless they were part of a homeless community living on the streets and they felt safer 
in the environment they knew and they feared more the opportunity that was given to them and 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 that word fear you know false evidence appearing real. real yeah that fear was a big issue for them and it was it's fascinating to watch when you see the fact that that they wouldn't take that step because of the fear of what would happen. Would they get thrown out? Would they lose their job? Would they, you know, get abused? Would they, you know, live in somewhere else? What if they end up on the street in Newcastle and all this kind of stuff? And so it's interesting, you know, when pe people have such incredible belief systems and we see it now in all walks of life and some of them, you know, we don't agree with, but their belief systems are so real to them you can't always get people to change what they believe, even mm. if what they believe is absolutely wrong. Yeah, that's the that's the that's the that's the powerful thing about our beliefs, man. So powerful. How does that translate to sales? Having the right belief system, because think about it. I mean, when you moved to Dubai, you didn't see all the opportunities in the physical world first. I'm sure you saw saw it on the canvas of your imagine, imagination. You've lived in Dubai now for 18 years. You said that's the longest time you've lived in a place. But you're not afraid of change. I guess that's one of the things that has helped you to become this successful. I want you to speak to us about you. There's chat GPT. There's the internet. I mean, you're 52 years old, but you are so smart and so, what, what's the word now? You know you know the next step of technology. Because I heard you talking about chat GPT. I was like, yo, you say you, you, say you may actually um, get your copywriters out of work because of chat GPT. <laughs> Look, I'll tell you something. I, yeah. lived in, I lived in 1995 in Port Harcourt and worked as an expat there. We we didn't have mobile phones. Mm. Didn't work properly. And I didn't have a phone in my house, but my friend had a phone in his house. And I would go to his house and I would try and make my cold calls from his house Ooh. to the Shell Camp and to Transamadi. Now, bear in mind, these guys, you'll know this, they're all in oil production. So yes. none of them are behind a desk. They're all yes. busy, you know, getting dirty and doing stuff, you know. Yeah. Some of them are on rotation, 30 days on, 30 days off. And and I knew that the people on the shell camp had a phone in their house, but the husbands were out of work all day. So that, that was my only way of prospecting, unless I got out in the car, drove up to Transamadi, went into, you know, all of the different oil service companies, um, went up to the shell camp and the, and, and the Western Geophysical and, and the Schlumberger camps and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, That was the only way I could prospect. It didn't phase me. For mm. most in sales that would be oh well you know i haven't got a mobile phone how can i do the job you know how do i contact people nobody's sat at their desk oh it's not possible mm. but for me it was it was exciting i lived in brazil nobody speaks english in brazil Come like, on now. so i arrive in brazil i go to the sheraton hotel check in no one speaks english i'm like why does anyone speak english i'm in a sheraton hotel mm. Eventually, the, the general manager comes out. He's like, what, what, what seems to be the problem? I'm like, no one speaks English. And he said, why would they? You're in Brazil. Mm. But he's like, we speak Portuguese and Spanish. We don't speak English very often. And so, okay, well, I better learn the language was what went in my head. It didn't, I didn't go, oh, well, you know, well, I, they, I can't speak English. Mm -hmm. I had to learn the language. You know, I lived in Holland. I lived in, in Slovakia. I lived in Egypt. I lived in Italy. I lived in uh, Thailand. I lived in Malaysia and Hong Kong. These different places I lived, there were challenges everywhere you went. Mm -hmm. But that's what, that's what makes it exciting. Mm -hmm. You know, 
And it, when, and what, what, it, what excites me more is when someone says either it can't be done or business won't be good here or you should probably choose somewhere else because you won't make it there. That's just, a, you know, a, a, that's that's ignition. That's like a rocket booster into me, ready for me to then prove that they're wrong and that you can make it. Mm. And so, you know, bureaucracy exists in all of these countries as well. But you just yes. have to say, well, everyone's got their own bureaucracy is what it is. Mm. That's just what's mm. around it. Mm. And I think there's too many people in life are spending too much time trying to find reasons as why they yeah. can't, as opposed to find reasons why they can. That's so powerful. I mean, someone almost said that the most sinister thing about our excuses is that they are valid. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you once said that marketing is pull. Sorry, marketing is pull and sales is push. I've been thinking about it in researching, and I really like that distinction. I like that definition. Can you unpack that for, for, for the audience? Mm, please? Sure. Nine times out of 10 in sales, we go out looking for the prospect. We go hunting. And essentially what we're doing is we're trying to find prospects through whichever means we can. We can do nowadays online lead generation, but it's still us reaching out, okay, to try and go and get those clients. It's us pushing, 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 opening this door, opening that door. Yeah. I believe that marketing is pulling. The reason I create so much content is because by making that content, people contact me. Mm. Every week, people contact me and say, look, I like what you do online. I've got a few questions. Maybe you could help my company. Can I talk to you about it, please? And so understanding that helps you understand the choices that you've got to have to take for your business. Now, anyone who's smart should do both, mm -hmm. but eventually get to a place where their prospective clients and their clients come to them. Yeah. And so you start with the push, you evolve to the pull, and that becomes your kind of like your 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 beacon and your north star. Mm -hmm. That's very very powerful. Well done, well done. Um, I mean, you've interviewed some of the the best of the best in the world, man. You've interviewed from Tony Robbins to everything in between. Gary Vaynerchuk. I mean, the catalog of people that you have interviewed is stellar and exemplary. Now, has podcasts helped you in your deal flow? Because I know I listen to all in podcasts with uh, Jason Carlin. Those guys are billionaires and i i've heard one of the episodes where they were saying that you know being podcasters has helped them in their deal flow as venture capitalists and as investors as being a podcaster and a youtuber and a content creator in what way shape or form has that helped in your deal flow when you think about this for a second a lot of people don't realize that a podcast is an incredibly good prospecting tool hmm. Everyone's worried about, you know, what should my podcast be about? Oh, I can't do that. It's overwhelming. Or who's going to listen? Well, imagine if nobody's ever going to listen to your podcast. Mm -hmm. Who would you interview? Now, if, if, if it was me, I would interview the CEOs of all the biggest companies that I ever wanted to do business with. Mm. Why? So I can spend an hour and a half with them getting to know them. Mm. Now, if you say to somebody... Mr. Smith, um, I'd love you to come on my podcast. Um, I'd love you to inspire my audience as much as you've inspired me. What instantly happens then is that person who receives that message goes, oh, maybe I can inspire a few people. I can do a bit of that. Oh, yeah, maybe I can do some inspiring today. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a feed to their ego. Mm -hmm. But when that person comes on your podcast, you spend an hour and a half with them. If you contact them two weeks later and say, I'd love to have you on the show. Everyone really enjoyed the content that we created. So thank you so much. I really would like to buy you a coffee because I've got a couple of questions for you and I've got something for you that I think might be valuable. Mm. When you're free, mm. do you think that person is going to have a coffee with you? Nine times out of 10, they'll say yes. 
10 times out of 10. Yeah. Not nine times, 10 times. Why yes. would they? You, you've just allowed them to be part of a podcast and inspire other people. Everybody will have a coffee with you. Yeah. Yeah. But then you go and see that person. You've already built rapport. You know their life story. You know the history. You know about the company. You know what they do. Yeah. And if you look, this is the product and service my company offers. I know you're the chairman or the CEO. I know you don't get involved in this. But who in your company do I need to be talking to about this product or service that I think will be really valuable? Now, mm-hmm. that person may say, um, you need to speak to Margaret, who's in charge of HR. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't call Margaret. Margaret, your CEO told me I need to come and see you. Is Margaret going to see me? Yes, 10 out of 10. Absolutely, she's going to see yes. I sit down with Margaret and I say, I was talking to your CEO. Let's call the CEO, John. I was talking to John, telling him about what I do. He was on the podcast the other day and he said that this is really important for the company and that I should talk to you about it because you're the one that signs it off. Hmm. She's going to listen. She's going to engage because she knows from above her, the boss man, okay, has sent me to her. Yeah. Then you have a chance of doing business. So imagine if you did a podcast twice a week. That's eight podcasts a month and you were hmm. from those podcasts a month able to pick up four big clients every month yeah that's good man that's, that's good easy. that's the easiest way to prospect in the world yes it's powerful that's powerful man that's powerful um what's the one truth about sales that that's uh that you've changed your mind about recently and why i've changed my mind about nothing about sales ever what what happened to me is that i when I was a young man, 18 years old, I didn't like the way that people looked at salespeople. And mm-hmm. there'll be people in your audience that don't like salespeople, fear salespeople, think mm-hmm. selling is a dirty word. Mm-hmm. But I met this girl in a bar one night when I was 19 years old. Paul, she was hot. She was so hot. She was the most beautiful thing that I'd ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. I had no courage. I had a beer. I was with my buddies. And they're like, go and talk to her. I'm, like, I'm not, not going to talk to her. Mm-hmm. This was before the days of mobile phones and Tinder and all that yeah. kind of stuff. and eventually i went to speak to her after a while and i said to her how are you doing can i buy you a drink she's like yeah why have you been looking at me for the last three hours and not come to speak to me (laughs) (laughs) anyway we started chatting she worked for an architect's office she was a receptionist she was a good kid got a good family nice people and everything else yeah and then after she told me about what she did she said to me so what do you do i said i'm a salesman and she looked at me and she rolled her eyes why did I have to meet a salesman? And I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, I don't know. I was hoping for maybe an investment banker, a stockbroker. <laughs> and I said to her, your architect's firm, do you have clients? She said, yes. I said, do you have people in business development that have to get those clients? She said, yeah, yeah, we do. I said, can you tell me what would happen if your business had no come clients? Come on, come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> And she looked at me and she said, what do you mean? I said, what would happen to your company and your job right now? Oh, my now? goodness. And she she looked at me and she said, well, I suppose there wouldn't be a company. I said, that's important, isn't it? The backbone to the business is the salespeople that bring the revenue through the door so that your salary can be paid. Mm-hmm. Don't disrespect the people doing that. That's the wow. Now, understand something, a young lady, I think I said, because I was so wound up. Understand something, young lady. Those salespeople don't get a fixed salary every month, just like you. They have a mortgage to pay or rent to pay. They've got kids to feed. They've got car payments. They've got all kinds of responsibilities. They have to, on a daily basis, deal with highs and lows of rejection and success. Mm. Most of them are performance-led people, so they only get paid for what they deliver. Mm-hmm. They go through so many psychological highs and lows in any one month that you couldn't even comprehend. 
yet they still do it with a smile on their face. They keep fighting just so that they can bring those sales in so that you can be paid. Now, wow. now you've met a salesperson. Tell wow. me, what do you feel about me? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, Mr. Spencer. <laughs> I'm sure she was just looking at you like, whoa, what just happened here? <laughs> So I love sales. I love selling. I love anyone that's in sales. I love people that are in sales that are struggling. I love people that are in sales that are winning. I love people that are, as long as there's, there's some rules to sales though. Number one, if you wouldn't sell it to your mum, then you shouldn't sell it to anyone. Yeah. Okay. So you must have ethics. Okay. But anyone in sales that has ethics, okay, they have integrity. They're trying to do the right thing for people. Remember, selling isn't about going out there going, please buy my calculator, even if you don't need one. That's not sales. Sales is trying to understand somebody's problem and seeing if what you've got can solve that, solve that problem. problem. Yes, that's right. That's if what you've got can solve that problem. You've already made a sale. It won't be about money. It won't be about anything. You've solved the problem. The value of that is enough to that business that the price becomes irrelevant. And wow. I think that too many people get wrapped up in, you know, trying to sell their products or service to people that don't want it. Let's start identifying problems first, and then let's see if we can fix it. We can't always find the solution. We we are not we are not the fit for everybody. Yeah. But for the people that we are the fit for, then we need to be doing business with them. Wow, Samson, this is so powerful. New York Times is very valuable. I just have two more questions for you, and then I'll I'll let I'll, I'll let you go. Um, as a sales trainer myself, I've been doing sales coaching now for eight, twelve years, doing sales training for company here and there. And then once in a while, I also recruit salespeople for organizations. So the question I want to ask you is that what are what are the top traits that you believed of that all new sales hires should have? And what do you think they should do for them to close their first sale in the first 90 or 60 days when they hit the ground running? But that's a very interesting question. It always comes up a lot of times. So some people say that salespeople are born. I don't believe they are. I believe sales is a skill, just like any other profession. Mm -hmm. If you want to be a lawyer, you've got to learn skills. If you want to be a doctor, you've got to learn skills. Selling is a skill. So if somebody has no sales experience whatsoever and they come into sales and you think you're going to get a result out of them, you're very, very naive. That's the first thing. Mm. Second, if you interview people that have got sales experience and you give them a job and you don't know the success they've had before, okay, then you're foolish. Mm. Because if somebody has been successful in sales, there will be records, there will be certificates, there will be rewards, mm. there will be trophies, mm. there will be emails, there will be internal booklets, mm. there will be congratulations, there'll be a Mont Blanc pen, there'll be a pair of cufflinks, a something mm. to demonstrate that they're good at what they do. Mm-hmm. If they if they say they've been successful, prove it. Come on now. Okay, not that, that you can tell me all day long. Show me the evidence. Bring me mm. the evidence. That's the first thing. So when you've then found somebody that has got good evidence and demonstrated they can do the job, okay, then the secondly, okay, they can demonstrate to you they can work processes and systems and can demonstrate what those have been before in their other business or their other employment. Then you've got a good understanding of they've got a fighting chance of making it. Now the next thing to make sure you know is are they passionate about what you sell? Mm. you've got to care about it haven't you you know mm-hmm. uh, if you told me we were selling i don't know we were selling these okay these uh, apple things okay mm. these apple, if, I, I, i'm not selling them uh, they, uh, i'm not interested in that okay I, that's just a utility i couldn't get excited about that 
but I can get excited about solving people's financial problems. I can get yeah. excited about helping people invest money. I can, I can get excited about that kind of stuff, me personally. Now, I don't get excited about cars. So if you get excited about cars, then that's the space you should be in. So that, that that's the first thing when it comes to recruitment. Secondly, how do you get them, how, how do you get them to write business in the first 90 days? You train the living daylights out of them. Mm. And in two ways. You train in a classroom and you train on the job mm. every single day. day. That's right. So that means, you know, when I learned to sell, our training was at 6.15 a.m. every day in London. We had to get to the office for 6.15 because training was till 8.30 every day. Mm. And so we were trained every single day. Then we were taken out on meetings. We watched the salespeople do the meetings with the prospective clients. We watched the, client, the salespeople interact with their existing clients. We were... Simple process. It was teach, monitor, measure. Teach, monitor, measure. Don't teach and measure. Teach, monitor, measure. Mm. Always three stages. Teach them how to do it. Monitor them doing it. Measure the performance. Mm. If you understand that and you want your salespeople to succeed, first of all, choose the right people. Secondly, train the living daylights out of them. And if they don't want the training because they've got a big ego or they don't want the training because they don't like to role play and all that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. then they're wrong. Get rid of them. Just get rid of them. Okay, mm. there's no keeping them in. And I like Jack Welch's theory. It's quite simple. You've got a 20-60-20 principle. You've got your 20% at the top who require one-to-one -one love, affection, and a care. Yeah. You've got 20% at the bottom that really need to go. Yeah. Okay. And there's 60% in the middle that are going to fall into one of those two categories over time. And it's your job to get all of that 60% up to the top. If you don't, as a sales leader, sales manager, sales director, whatever that may be, then that's on you, not on them. Wow, Spencer, this has been a fascinating conversation. Whoa. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. My goodness. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. I know you're a podcaster. You love podcasts. What podcast are you geeking out on right now? What ones do I love to listen to? Yes. I love the High Performance Podcast very much. I oh, love those, those guys are good. Those guys are good. They're based I, in England. I, yeah, great guys. Yeah, I, I yeah. had Damien. Damien. Uh, Damien. Damien is good. I've got his. Yeah, very, 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 very good. They're very good. I really, yeah. really like him. Um, I um, I like Impact Theory with Tom Billiou. I listen yes. to that one yeah. long form. Um, Tom is good as well. Yeah, I mean Stephen Bartlett and I talk to each other from time to time. I did my I did the podcast with him live on stage at Dubai Opera in front of a thousand people, and that was yeah. that was. Experience. Yeah. So yeah, I like Steven's podcast. Um, and, and I also I flip between different podcasts. There's a great guy called Raul Paul. Um, and Raul Paul is is a is a macroeconomist, but he okay. speaks like me. He's just an everyday guy mm -hmm. that turns this really complicated stuff around the crypto space and turns it into palatable information that we can digest and learn from. And so I think he's really good as well. Um, but yeah, I I I I I try. I try to find a blend of different podcasts. Um, I'm, I generally listen to mine in the car. And after I go to the gym, I go for a walk every morning and I consume then. Um, it, one, one, one of the greatest podcasts is actually a book and it's called Can't Hurt Me by David Coggins. And mm. it's an epic book. But the way that the book, the, the book, the audio book works is every chapter is read by somebody and at the end of the chapter david coggins comes in and they talk about it and so it's like it's being narrated and then they have a chat about it and okay. i really like it's really engaging for me um but yeah there's an example of some of the stuff i like 
Wow, wow, fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. I think the 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 Brits are doing an amazing job in the podcasting space. There's you, there's Steve Bartlett, there's high performance, there's uh, modern wisdom by um 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 uh, the Williamson guy, you know. So four all four of you are really raising the flag globally in the podcast space. So well done, well done. Where do people get more of you? I, I know that you're very active on I mean I follow you on Instagram. 4 30 you are in the gym, man. <laughs> So we're I'm, every day, I'm every day at 4 30, but you can find me on Instagram. My name sounds like an old people's home, Spencer. <laughs> Spencer.log, there's a blue tick there. Instagram is the same, LinkedIn's the same. I um, am predominantly across those three channels. TikTok's um, uh, been interesting. You'll see snippets of the podcast uh, yeah. on my channels. And, uh, and, and trust me, uh, I've, the, some of the conversations with some people you might not even think might be worth listening to, some of them are mind-blowing. Yes, yes. So, uh, yes. yeah. I, I've consumed a lot of your content, a lot of it. Yeah, a, listen, lot of, yeah. a lot of it. Thank you so much. One more question. I always like to ask the thoughts of a salesman and a marketer in me. So, Mr. Spencer, if there's one guy, if you really, if you enjoy the, the interview, if there's one person you think that, Paul, you know, I can put a good word for you, you should interview this person, who would that be? I tell you, you should interview. He's a really, he's a, he's a really good guy, but he, he went on a bit of a journey and his, his journey, uh, unfortunately, his mum died of cancer, which changed everything in his life. But he's a, he's a really lovely guy. I can make the introduction for you. His name's Joe Woodhouse. Okay. And he, he is, um, he produces some incredible content around around financial services and that kind, of, but fun, like taking taking the Mickey. It's quite you know quite engaging. His Instagram channel is Family Wealth One Hundred and One. Okay, um, you can find him there. But if you want an intro, then he'd be a good guy to tell you his story, and he, and he's a great sales guy too. All right, fantastic, fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you so so much. Let me stop the recording now. Wow, this is so wow wow. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Paul Four Podcast. So you just just two things I want you to do for me. I want you to write a review about the pod, about the pod, about the podcast so that I can bring in great guests like this. I want you to share it, uh, take a screenshot, send it to me on Instagram. I'd like to share it as well. And write a comment and follow me on Spotify. And that's all I really want for you uh, uh, right now. And then you can also join my WhatsApp community where I teach and then you can and then you can also join my WhatsApp community where I teach sales and marketing stuff like this every single day. It's six dollars a month or six pounds a month or five thousand a month. All the links are in the show notes. You can check that out. If you're in real estate as well, I'm putting together a three days conference for real estate people called I Can Teach You How to Sell Real Estate. I've worked with some of the largest real estate companies uh in Africa, and I'm sure you're gonna learn a lot from that. I'm gonna put that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much. Have a great day and see you in the next episode with another fantastic guest, Danny. Page is a top marketer here in the UK. Let's go. Boom. My name is Paul Fu. I'm deeply grateful for you spending this time with me.